The Dental Download Podcast is your source for insight into dental school, conversations with dentists, specialists, and leaders in the industry. With new episodes every Monday morning, I'm your host, Haley Schultz. Let's get into this week's episode. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay. Hi, everyone. We have another guest here today, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. My name is um, Sarah Khan. I am currently a pediatric dentist. I graduated dental school from Stony Brook School of Dental Medicine back in 2016. And I'll kind of just leave it at at that. Um, I think we'll kind of talk about the rest of my career through the questions, and I hope that you guys find this helpful. Yeah, I'm excited to have you here today because people are interested in dentistry for all different kinds of reasons. And I also think certain career options in dentistry don't have as much exposure as others. So it's exciting to give people a chance to get a look into kind of how your career is developed and maybe it'll give them some ideas as well. So the first thing I wanted to talk about was your career as a pediatric dentist. When did you realize that was something you wanted to do? Sure. So um, I pretty much went from college to dental school. And in dental school, one of the things I enjoyed the most was my pediatrics um, dentistry rotation. We started that in actually our second year of dental school starting with basic like recall exams and very simple ops like sealants. And then in our third year, we had more exposure. But at the same time, I was also very interested in like pros and general dentistry and the transition towards doing things a lot more digitally and relying on technology. So I went into dental school wanting to be one of those um, super general dentists that's well-versed in endo implants, um, extractions, and also comfortable seeing kids because I think there's a statistic I'm not sure if it's relevant or accurate still today that about 60 to 70 80 percent of children actually are seen by general dentists not specialists so I was like okay like I can be one of those um, dentists that are seeing kids in addition to doing the things that I found um, interested interesting in dentistry and I went to dental school in New York State so for licensure in New York State you actually have to um, do a GPR residency in order to be eligible for licensure or any type of subspecialty um, residency. So I, you know, I decided to apply for a GPR. I wanted to focus on a GPR that gave me a very well-rounded experience in addition to some experience in pediatric dentistry. So I ended up matching at um, my number one choice, which was a New York Presbyterian Wild Cornell in Manhattan. So that was awesome. My GPR was great. I got exposure to doing a lot more, um, more complicated um, pros cases in my GPR. We didn't have the opportunity to place implants because we had um, an oral surgery program, but I did get to restore a ton, ton of implants. I did molar endo, you know, kind of everything that you learned about in dental school, but didn't really have an opportunity to do just based on your, um, 
your skill level. And we had a great pediatrics rotation. And then um, after that, I actually moved to Philadelphia to um, because my husband, um, we recently we got married during my GPR. He was doing his internal medicine residency in Philadelphia, and I got a job as a general dentist. I worked as a general dentist for about six, seven months before I found myself getting um, frustrated, I think. Um, I, I think naturally being um, a dentist, being a type A person, like you always want to learn to do better. And like the education really doesn't stop in dental school. And I found that based on my experience, there was a lot of needs that my adult patients had that I didn't really have the skills to do so. So more complicated endo procedures or implants, more full mouth rehabilitations. And then um, I looked into kind of taking CEs about those things. And I just didn't feel as excited or happy as I was about them in dental school. And um, what happened to actually happen is that that's funny. What happened was that there was a pediatric dentist that worked in the practice that I was working in and that he was actually moving to um, Texas. So the role of um, a pediatric dentist or, um, was kind of open. And given my experience in dental school, as well as my GPR, I talked to my, um, like, you know, my boss and I was like, listen, like I have this experience. I would love to you know, transition to only seeing kids if that's, if that's possible. Cause then in my mind around the same time, I was toying with the idea of applying to um, residency. So, you know, I got some mentorship from um, my mentor and I ended up kind of transitioning um, to a role where I was a general dentist, but limited to seeing children. So about eight months into my, um, into my first job after I graduated dental school, I pretty much transition to that. I had to obviously finish up my cases. So I spent some time actually working a sixth day a week, kind of delivering my final dentures, you know, finishing up my cases, crowns, doing all those things. And then for about um, a little more than a year, probably like a year and like a third, I pretty much was only seeing um, pediatric patients. Um, I worked as a a general dentist seeing kids because what I learned was that if you're not a pediatric dentist that has that has gone through um, a specialty residency, you can't advertise yourself as a pediatric dentist. So I was a general dentist that um, that sees kids. I did that for about, like I said, 15, 16 months, and I worked in about six offices in the Philadelphia metropolitan area. So the office previously had like a general dentist or the me as a pediatric provider would come in, you know, one or two times a week, depending on the needs of the office with a team of three dental assistants. And we would kind of just come with a suitcase with all the, all our stuff and come in and work in the offices and provide um, to the pediatric patients in that area. And then again, being um, a dentist, always interested in learning, I found myself wanting to be able to do more for my patients. Pediatric dentistry has like has changed so much since I got to dental school with the advent of like, you know, different sedations, um, you know, the, um, the focus on like oral myofascial connections, more like zirconia crowns. And I was like, I need to formalize this and learn things more officially. So then and about two years after applying, um, I decided to apply to pediatric dental residency, which was which was hard, obviously, coming from a job where you have a lot more flexibility outside of a residency, a more of a steady paycheck. Um, 
And I actually delayed applying to one year so I could apply when my husband was applying to fellowship. He was applying to gastroenterology fellowship. And our goal was to kind of apply together, kind of coordinate our rank list since there's no couples matching, obviously, um, between dentistry and medicine. And unfortunately, we did not match close to one another geographically. Um, So I actually matched at um, a little lower on my rank list than I would have wanted, which was definitely um, humbling. I matched at a program um, at Brooklyn at Maimonides Medical Center, and my husband matched down in Maryland. So we had about two years um, doing long distance while we were both, while he was in fellowship and I was in my pediatric dental residency. COVID happened during that. So it was just, it was a lot. Um, definitely not some of the most easy times in my life. It was harder than I expected it to be, but I think I um, I learned a lot from then. And then I finished up my um my pediatric dental residency, I got a job in Maryland and um, was working in this practice for a year. And then my husband matched into another fellowship. Um, He's going to be a transplant hepatologist and at the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota. So we are moving to Minnesota in about two months. So I, I just think that's super interesting. I've kind of just had to go along with the flow of life and how life takes you. I joke and say that I now have dental licenses in four states. So New York, Pennsylvania, Maryland, and Minnesota. So that's awesome. And that's a little bit about my um, my educational background and my um, career. So I'm sure that's a lot to unpack. And I myself am kind of like working on that myself, trying to figure out where I am today and like kind of what helped me get there. Yeah, that was a really great walkthrough of your journey (laughs) up to this point. There's one other thing I want to ask you about, um, and then we can dive a little deeper into everything that you just let us know. Um, You also have a master's in public health. When did that come into the picture? Sure, absolutely. So I was always interested in getting um, a master's concurrently while in dental school or after dental school. Um, I've always been interested in public health and kind of focusing on healthcare delivery and healthcare management from like a more macro level. I felt that in dental school, um, for me, I didn't feel like my passions lied in just treating one patient or one tooth that kind of wanted to focus on things on a larger level. So I went into applying for dental school, knowing I was interested in those options. Um, So I more highly considered programs that had the ability to allow their students to do a concurrent program. So programs, at least in my experience, when I applied to dental school almost 10 years ago, um, was that it was either while you were in dental school, so you would be able to finish up both degrees in four years or certain dental schools um, extended it to five years. So you would take time off, I believe, between your, um, I think your first and second year of dental school and, you know, start your master's classes, do the bulk of them and kind of finish them through second and third year of dental school. Um, so I ended up choosing Stony Brook School of Dental Medicine. A little background, I actually went there for undergrad and initially, like, I did want to get out because I wanted to experience something different, but I actually had an opportunity to do research in the dental school as well as volunteer in the dental school. And that was really awesome. I got to know about the faculty very well and the way that Stony Brook um, 
kind of organizes its clinical and didactic education. So Stony Brook um, is located on Long Island in New York. It has a very small dental school size. It's about um, 40 kids when I graduated. I think it's about 45 now. And what I really liked about the program is that we got to start off by taking classes with the medical students. I think dentistry is often really separated from medicine. So I wanted to be able to kind of have the same um, education they did. And then we started clinic very early. And in my first year of dental school, we had our dean who actually has um, a DDS MPH. He came in to do one of the lectures and he talked about how he used his master's in public health throughout his career. So at that point, I was really focused on like being a D1, doing all my anatomy classes, all the basic things. And then I just I had almost put my public health interest on the back burner and he kind of helped me refresh that. And then um, I had to apply again to the program in public health. Luckily, I didn't have to take any of the GMAT or GRE entrance exams. They would use my DATs. And luckily, like I got accepted into that. So that was really wonderful. I was also fortunate enough to get um, a full ride scholarship, which was amazing. So yeah, there I was, a glutton for punishment, doing dental school from 8.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. And then about two to three days a week, I would have my MPH classes from about 5.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. So it was definitely challenging, um, but super rewarding. Like I loved, I loved my public health classes because the way at least our program was structured, they had um, people from all walks of life in those classes. We had some very seasoned physicians in those classes, as well as, you know, nurses, other people that worked in community health organization. And it was kind of nice talking to people from different disciplines about healthcare as a whole. And the professors in the public health classes were super accommodating because they knew we had dental school in the um, in the morning time. So they allowed within reason, obviously, they allowed for extensions on certain projects. If we were to come to class late, they would accept that. But I really learned a lot about time management through that. Um, it was it was challenging. I don't know if I would do it again. Or honestly, like I, I almost feel that because I was in dental school in the morning, and I had public health, my public health classes in the afternoon, I didn't focus as much on the master's in public health that I could have if I was just doing it by itself. But I mean, everything happens for a reason. And I think that has opened um, a lot of doors for me. So that's been exciting. That's amazing. And uh, you obviously talked about all the different ways you've kind of been led with your career and following opportunities as they came or making opportunities when you needed to. Do you have any advice for people that are in similar situations to you that are navigating, coordinating a life between like two professionals that each have like their own goals and everything. Oh, so um, just to clarify, you're talking about with me and my, um, me and my husband. husband. Yes. So I think it's, it's all about setting um, like expectations in the, in the beginning. Like we, um, so we actually met at Stony Brook. So he was a medical student there and I was a dental student there. So we met, um, we met through biochemistry. We had a lot of mutual friends and then we were, I don't want to make this about our relationship, but he supported me a lot. So we started off as friends and then we were both very interested in our careers. And I think I do recommend that you go forward in your career and kind of pursue your career goals as long as your, your partner or your significant other is also supportive. 
for us, we discussed that, you know, within our 20s, that was a time for us to kind of get our career rolling because we both had certain career ambitions. And that's kind of how we how we went through it. When I applied for uh, my when I decided to apply for pediatric dental residency, we were living together in Philadelphia. And my plan was to kind of remain a general dentist and like kind of support our marriage, support our relationship financially, because he would be um, a resident. And then I know he was going to be applying for fellowship. But when I told him, you know, my husband was very, very supportive. And I think we both understood that there is a possibility for us to be long distance, although we didn't want it to happen. We were mentally preparing ourselves to, for it to happen. And the fact that it did was unfortunate, but we had um, a strong relationship and a strong understanding within one another to kind of support one another. So I think if you have the right support system, whether it's your significant other, your family or your friends, I always recommend kind of pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone because that's where real um, progress is definitely made. And then another thing I wanted to talk about was the residency applications. I know some students apply at the end of dental school. Some people work for a while and then apply similar to your situation. But do you have any advice just in general for having a competitive application to residency? Sure, absolutely. So dental um, residency application is very similar like dental school and even more so that you have a group of very intelligent, bright, motivated kids applying for kind of the same thing. So at least for me, I, how do I say this? So your grades that you got are the grades that you got, you know, and your um, extracurriculars, if that's something you're generally interested in and focused on then, I do recommend getting involved earlier in dental school just to kind of make your application more well-rounded. And now a lot of the board exams, if I remember correctly, are pass-fail. So a lot of things are level playing field as far as um, dental students applying for residencies. But what I do recommend highly is um, applying early and being organized in your application process. A lot of residency programs, at least I found in my experience for GPR and pediatric dentistries, not only are you required to apply through the IDEA pass, they may have supplemental applications or it may require some additional information. A lot of that is also not clear on the program's website or on the IDEA pass website. So I do recommend, excuse me, being a little aggressive and like reaching out to the programs and kind of seeing speaking to the program director directly, or as well as speaking to the residents and some of the chief residents in your program. I think something that's been really, really great is the growth of um, dental students, residents, um, practicing dentists on Instagram. I feel like just by a search on that, you can find a lot of people that are doing something similar to what you're doing. So I would definitely encourage dental students to kind of reach out to anyone that they um, that they find on Instagram or anybody's contact information that they can find online. I'm a big fan of cold emailing people or cold DMing people and just being like, hey, this is who I am. And, you know, I'm interested in what you're doing because X, Y, and Z, like, can we set up a time to um, talk? And I feel like those personal connections also make a big difference, especially when you're applying to residency programs. There's a finite number of residents in the country and a lot of people know one another. And by kind of putting yourself out there, you can make your name known. And I think that goes um, 
a big way as far as applying for residencies. That's really good advice. I feel like, especially now, it's so much more accessible to get those connections. So as long as you're proactive about it and thinking about it early, it's definitely something everyone can do. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) So I guess backtracking a little bit more than that, back to dental school itself, what advice do you have for dental students to kind of maximize their experience while they're there? I would definitely ask more questions and like, in clinic and pre-clinic, I feel like dental school is such a great time where you have people around you that have practiced dentistry to ask questions for regarding like something as simple as like, how do you recommend I hold the mirror and hold the, like, you know, hold my handpiece, just like small things like that. Talk to your professors about every detail and your attendings because they, they've experienced those things. And through their you know, past experiences, they likely have tips and techniques that you can pick up on. I think I was very focused on like requirements and getting things done that I didn't take advantage of the vast amount of knowledge I had around me. And I did not realize that until um, I was practicing myself. And when I had my first job, I was pretty much the only dentist in the office. We would have an oral surgeon come in once in a while and an endodontist come in once in a while. But other than that, it was just me. And within my first week, I I forget the exact scenario. Um, I think it was a fractured number 11 that I was extracting. And I was like beating myself up because I was like, I didn't ask enough questions about oral surgery about this. So I think you just need to ask questions and think of your future self when you're asking those questions. Cause even though right now you're like, I may have confidence, but you really don't know until you do a lot of things. And the transition from at least residency for me to private practice, like I wasn't mentally prepared for that. Even in residency, if I didn't have an attending to ask questions to, I could ask my chief for one of my other co-residents. There was always somebody there to like bail you out or help you troubleshoot. And that oftentimes, at least for me, didn't exist when I had my first job. And I had to like play good cop, bad cop with myself, you know, excuse myself from the patient, honestly, like Google a little bit, maybe watch like a YouTube video, read up on things and kind of go through troubleshooting in my mind. And I wish I just had taken advantage of the the people and the vast amount of knowledge they had around me. That's like the biggest thing. And you talked about the few different jobs that you had before mm-hmm. pediatric residency and then now after. Do you have advice for finding the right job or just the general like job search? Sure. So um, for me, it was tricky because when I was applying for jobs in um, for my GPR, I was in New York and I was applying for jobs in Philadelphia. So a lot of my... Um, my information first came through just like Google searches. I searched on, um, you know, like LinkedIn, not LinkedIn, like Monster, Indeed, all those like job posting websites, as well as um, going to my, um, like the ADA and seeing what jobs they, they had. And that's pretty much how I found my first job. Your first job will not be your ideal job for a lot of dentist it's not but I think every job can be um, a learning opportunity and you don't want to be 
too um, upset. Like if the first place you land was not your ideal place. I know what the first couple of weeks in my job, especially when I was practicing just general dentistry, like I came home crying some days because it was just, it was just very different. I feel like in dental school, you're supported by everyone and residency, you're supported by everyone. If you have the privilege of entering a job where you have a great mentor, that's awesome, but that's not always the case. So I found myself struggling a lot. The second time around when I applied for jobs, I learned a lot more to really use um, your local dental societies and your um, your mentors as connections. Fortunately, through um, I was a part of, I was actually the chair of the new dentist committee when I was in um, Philadelphia practicing. And I reached out to some of the, um, the dentists in that area. And I was like, hey, listen, I'm moving. I'm sorry. No, when I was, a, so I get confused with my own timeline. I was involved um, in the, the New York State Dental Association, a little bit of my local co- component. And then I knew I was going to Maryland. So very early on, I'm like, listen, I, I'm going to be going to Maryland. Like if you know any pediatric dentists in the area that are hiring, like I would love to get their contact information. And just by reaching out to somebody that I had built um, a repertoire with, and then I had some degree of comfort with them and they knew my, you know, my skill set, my leadership techniques, they kind of reached out for me and made connections that way. So I found that my job search the second time around, I had almost more control of it because I was getting names of specific people that were looking for associates rather than going and searching on my own. I obviously did like go and search on my own as well, but I thought, I thought the process the second time around, um, finding a job was a lot, a lot more fruitful and a lot more palatable for me. And then my third job that I found in Minnesota, I actually found on a Facebook group called IPDO, which is one of the bigger um, pediatric dental Facebook groups. I knew I was moving to um, Rochester and this one practice owner actually said, hey, like I am looking for associate in Rochester, Minnesota. And I was like, oh my God, that's where I'm going to be. So I messaged her and then, you know, it happened to work out. And the great thing now, at least, is that there's a lot of support for new dentists finding jobs, even more so than when I graduated dental school five years ago. There's a lot of different um, organizations. I know Dental Nachos with Dr. Paul Goodman has a really great um, job connect search. And I would definitely recommend... um, reaching out to your local dental society and getting involved in that. I know I was a part of ASDA in dental school, and I think that's one of the best things I did for my career because it helped me transition into um, being a part of the ADA and the different local and state component societies. And not only did it, you know, help me find a job in some cases, I feel like you get great mentorship, not just career-wise, but also life-wise. Even as unique as I think my situation is, I'm sure if I spoke to like a thousand dentists, someone would probably have a similar story that I did. And having that community of people to talk to is like super valuable because my husband, even though he's in healthcare, he has like no idea about dentistry. And I think that's a thing that we have going very well for our position. Dentists are very comfortable and willing and open to share, share their stories, share their experiences, good or bad, so that like the next generation of dentists can learn. Yeah. And I guess it goes really well with connections and sharing with people, but I found you through Instagram. That's for people listening that don't know that. Um, What was your 
thought process behind, behind starting your Instagram page, it's like definitely very educational and everything. So what was your vision with that? Sure. That's a, that's a great question. So I found myself, uh, at work kind of repeating the same things to my patients, like again and again, especially in pediatric dentistry, a lot of it is like anticipatory guidance and prevention focused. And I would say these things again and again, and I was joking to myself, like, why don't I just like record my voice and play it one day? Because sometimes in between patients, especially in pediatric dentistry, where it's very like high volume, we see a lot of patients. I don't often have time to do my entire spiel. I was like, why don't I just record it? And then obviously I wouldn't do that because that's not proper patient relationship. But um, I was like, you know, there's so much information out there on Instagram. And I feel like that's a great way to educate parents and other healthcare providers outside of the dental pool. Um, And I've always, I've always wanted to do it. I've just had, I think I had a lot of like stage fright about it about putting myself out there. But I think the community has been so supportive. It's kind of like, it's kind of amazing that everybody's just cheering one another on. And I think through that, I've honestly been happier with my overall like career and personal balance. I feel like I was mentioning a little bit before when I worked my first job in private practice, even in this position as well, even though I was doing something I loved, treating children, I had, I have amazing support staff, but I am always the only doctor in the office. And it's a little isolating, which I did not expect because I went from my residency where I had a group of, you know, 10 co-residents and we would all support one another, whether it's like physically or emotionally. And I was kind of just by myself and I was yearning for that um, sense of community Secondly, I also found myself on my personal Instagram algorithm, I would follow a lot of dental accounts and my personal account would be flooded with um, dental related things. And I, I found myself like at the end of a busy day when just wanting to browse Instagram, like I didn't want to come across things related to dentistry. I wanted that part of my life to be separate. So it kind of fulfilled two purposes for me. I was able to kind of educate patients, educate parents and connect with other dentists and also have my like lives kind of separated. And I think that's helped me overall as well. Yeah. I'm the same. I have a dental page, but I also still have like a private personal Instagram for friends and family and stuff. And I think that's important to have Mm -hmm. difference because it makes it easier when you're going as the user, like, what do you want to be involved in? Absolutely. Like I was missing like I was missing like engagement announcements and like babies being born because people post things on social media because I had just, you know, like all these like great dental content and there's a time and place for both. Obviously, I just, I found myself separating those things really alleviated a lot of like anxiety I had. I found myself like sometimes when I was scrolling on Instagram before sleeping, like I would come across a dental page that reminded me of like a patient I had coming up and then I would just be anxious about that. So I found separating them is, is is actually really good for my mental health. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And we covered a ton of really great stuff today, but do you have any closing advice for dental students that are listening? Sure. Any closing advice would be that dental school is only the, the beginning of your journey. You may feel like it's the biggest thing that's going on in your life now, which it is. 
but remember like the practice of dentistry and they call it practice for a reason really starts after dental school and you will constantly be learning you will have many many failures but also lots of successes and just keep like I don't know life for me has been very crazy and what's helped me is to kind of just go with the flow try to find happiness or positivity in what you can and if things are bad allow yourself to be sad allow yourself to be grieved but then find the silver lining and kind of march forward and I did want to promote my Instagram if that's okay it's called the mighty tooth Um, I posted my first reel earlier this morning so that was exciting I'm hoping to kind of just spread like positivity I really want to encourage kids to develop great habits growing up so they can be positive, confident, intelligent. And that all starts, at least for me, with um, taking care of your smile and taking care of your oral health. That's awesome. And thank you so much again for your time today. It's been great. Yeah. Thank you so much, Haley. Good luck with everything for you as well. Thank you.